Hi, I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization which oversees the San Diego Zoo and San Diego Zoo Safari Park. We've got a really fun conversation for you today. We are going to be discussing the king and queen of the Arctic, the polar bears. We will be diving in not only to their natural history, but we're also going to discover what the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance is doing to help them. So we've been talking about the world's largest bears, polar bears, and a recent study published showed that on rare occasions, these marine mammals may actually use tools like rocks or blocks of ice to help them catch their dinner. Rick, if this is the case, then what does that tell us about the polar bear? Well, I think it's an official document and study that is published that shows us what a lot of people kind of already knew who work with polar bears. They're incredibly smart. They are problem solvers. They are, I mean, I don't want to necessarily use the term critical thinker, but when you observe the behavior of a polar bear hunting and when they see the potential meal, and that's going to be either a seal or in the case of the tool you study, uh, they were using large blocks of ice or rocks to uh, hit walruses on the head and allow them then to, to catch that walrus. So there's planning involved. There's understanding where the prey is going to be how the tool use is going to work, uh, the element of surprise, things of that nature. And there's been studies, too, where, I, where I've had the opportunity to see uh, these documents, if you will, how polar bears will calculate when the seal is going to come up for air when they're hunting seals instead of walruses and being able to time where they are going to be in proximity to that seal so they can make the move then to be able to grab it for that meal. Uh, for those who don't know, polar bears re- rely pretty much 90% of their, their diet on seals. And uh, the rest of it's usually made up of and then other marine mammals they might be able to catch, like the walrus. So if this is behavior that's been observed by um, people working closely with polar bears, um, what's the benefit of having it documented in a, in a study form? Well, just to be clear, you know, people who work with them, when I use that term, I mean more in the the zoological environment. So our wildlife care specialists who work with polar bears. Now, we we obviously don't see them hunting seals and walrus at the San Diego Zoo. But those who have researched this and looked at this then in the wild, they aren't working closely. Working with polar bears and setting polar bears in the wild is very, very challenging and does need to be done at a distance for obvious reasons. They're very powerful and big bears. But the importance of having what has been referred to as anecdotal evidence, in other words, stories being told, people sharing what they saw when they were out there, with no photo or video evidence, it, it is not, it's really hard for the scientific community to be able to go, yes, this is a fact. But now that it has been documented, these stories that have transcended for years from Inuit hunters and, and those that live in the region to those who study the bears, now having that documentation really gives those stories a foundation to allow us to better understand the polar bear and how they move and live within their environment. And speaking of the environment, that environment, the Arctic Circle, is so harsh. Um, most wildlife can't survive there. Um, you talked about the polar bear going to great lengths to be able to hunt and, and, and survive. How does the environment impact the polar bear's behavior? 
Well, yes, of course. The Arctic Circle is is incredibly harsh. You know, it's it's one of those areas where, as humans trying to even go up there and study these animals, the the conditions are so rough. These are are usually trips that don't last an incredibly long amount of time because it's so hard to get up there and stay up there, get food and resources up there for ourselves. So now you're talking about a bear species who's managed to figure out how to utilize sea ice that forms seasonally to go out and hunt these seals, has figured out how to use uh, tools uh, to get themselves some walrus every now and then, uh, to utilize snow dens to survive these, these storms that occur up there. And, of course, it's, it's very, very cold. You know, they have this incredibly thick, dense coat, uh, these huge feet to give them the ability to walk on ice without breaking through it and the ability to swim in these frigid, frigid waters. It's just really all these adaptations add up to this amazing animal who is well-suited for carving out uh, survival and an existence in the Arctic. So, Rick, how far can a polar bear swim? Well, there's, there have been a lot of studies on this, and unfortunately, the knowledge of how far a polar bear can swim has been well-studied. And I say unfortunately because it's been... It's, it's very hard for us to understand what the bears need if we don't understand what they're doing. And as we notice that sea ice is taking longer to form and melting sooner, we are really interested in, in how the bears are adapting to this and their availability to survive in this changing environment. So we do know that they can swim for several hours. Uh, they use their very broad front feet sort of in a doggy paddle formation and keep their nose above water. And the back feet then kind of tuck up underneath and they'll use that more as a rudder to help steer. And so in those several hours of swimming, they can usually cover about 100 kilometers or just over 60 miles. And that's on average. Now, these bears are being tested, though, as, as that ice takes longer to form. So sometimes they're being forced to swim longer and it can be very challenging for them as it does burn a lot of calories. You mentioned that they swim and they use sea ice for, for hunting. Is this something that they're doing alone or in, in packs? Polar bears in general are solitary, but there's plenty of evidence that we see some of them together sometimes. And so you'll see them collecting on the shoreline together as they're waiting for the ice to form. But that's not really a community or a herd or a group or anything like that. Now, other times you might see some polar bears together out on the ice. It's mom with her kids that have, have grown. The, the kids will stay with mom for a couple of years. And so as they grow, it's harder to tell maybe which ones are the youngsters versus which one's the adult when it comes to size. If you watch long enough, you can definitely tell why behavior. So you might see a mom teaching her kids how to hunt or out on the hunt with the kids to make sure they're doing it right. But in general, polar bears are solitary animals and they rely on their incredible eyesight and even more incredible sense of smell. They can smell things on the wind from miles away. Uh, so they can smell, you know, seals maybe out basking or uh, perhaps a walrus, you know, family out basking. Because when they do bask on the ice, of course, they, they're, they do have certain odors about them. And polar bears can pick up on those scents and they'll, you know, definitely follow the odors and scents that they smell miles away. Uh, they'll swim to them, they'll walk to them. And then when it comes to the hunting behavior, you know, they can be very stealthy. You look at this giant big bear, you know, the largest bear species alive on the planet. You know, like how can that hide? Well, you know, when they're on the sea ice and that white coat of theirs, pretty much if you don't see that little black dot of a nose, uh, they blend in very, very well. And they know how to be very stealthy. So where's dad in all of this? Is it mom's job solely to teach the cub how to be a polar bear? Yes, with many bear species, uh, the male is not involved with uh, raising the young. 
Uh, across uh, the whole animal kingdom, there's a wide variety of ways that the different parents will raise the young or the, the male will even raise the young without the female present. But in the case of polar bears, uh, after breeding, uh, the males and females don't spend any time together. And so mom will create this amazing den under the snow that she'll utilize for upwards of six months to help raise the kids. And they'll use this den, they call it a maternal den. Uh, she will nurse the kids in there. She will eventually, as they're old enough, she'll go out hunting without them and come back and, and be able to nurse some more and eventually bring them food. And as they get older into their you know first 10 to 12 months, they start to venture out more and start following mom. And that den then isn't used as much. So how long about do they, they live in this fashion? How long do the, the cubs live with their moms? The cubs can stay with mom. It's been documented anywhere from two to three years, depending upon what's going on in the environment and resources available uh, and things of that nature. The youngsters usually hit maturity, though, around two. Uh, so it's not before two years of age you usually see them wandering off. Rick, the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance has been involved in polar bear conservation research efforts for many years, including studying polar bear energetics or how they use their energy, as well as the impact of human activity around key polar bear denning sites, the area where mom raises her young. What polar bear research is happening now at the San Diego Zoo? We are working with our partner, Polar Bear International, on the burr on the fur study. I know it sounds kind of funny, but think about it. When I get a burr stuck in your dog's fur, it, it sticks pretty well. So hang with me here. The traditional way that we track wildlife is by a satellite collar. But unfortunately, these can't be used on male polar bears because their neck is too thick. It's as wide as their head, so the collar would just fall right off. Scientists at 3M have found a way to temporarily attach a small tracking device on the polar bear's fur kind of like a burr, if you will. This tracking device offers a minimally invasive way to study the movement of polar bears and their other activities. The polar bears at the San Diego Zoo, as well as other polar bears at seven other zoos, are currently testing the device, which could help researchers learn more about the needs, health, and status of polar bears in the wild. This work could provide a real breakthrough in how we track wildlife around the world. It's an exciting innovation that could go well beyond polar bear research and help us study species from leopards to giraffe and so much more. All right, now it's time for the San Diego Zoo Safari Park Minute, an opportunity for you to learn what's new at the zoo. The San Diego Zoo recently opened Hummingbird Habitat. With a cacophony of calls and a whirling of wings, you can experience 40 different species of birds, including the Annas, Costas, and Emerald Hummingbirds. Did you know that a hummingbird's name refers to the humming sound made by their tiny beating wings? Each species creates a different humming sound depending on the speed of its wing beats. You're listening to Amazing Wildlife. We'll be right back. Today, we've talked about polar bears and their amazing array of behaviors. These kings of the Arctic are favorites among our young listeners. And today, we have a question from Avery. Why are polar bears white? Oh, I love this question because so many people look at the polar bear and think they're white because that's what we see. But if you take an individual hair from the polar bear, and you have to do that carefully, of course, the hair is actually clear. 
Now, what makes it look white is they have two coats, an undercoat and an outer coat, and the density of the hairs together means that the light refracts around these clear hairs, making it look white, which, of course, is perfect camouflage for living in the Arctic. Now, here's another fun fact to add on to the question, though. If you were to be able to kind of part that hair and look down at the polar bear's skin, would you believe that skin is actually black? Now, there used to be a theory out there that somehow UV light, UV light could get down through these clear hairs to the skin to help warm the bear. But it has since been proven that that is not the case, but still very fascinating. How interesting. We have an email address for our young listeners to send their animal questions. If you have a question for the amazing wildlife team, please send an audio recording of your question to wildlife at iheartmedia.com and you might hear it on the show. Thanks for listening. That's all the time we have. We hope you learned a lot about the enchanting world of our polar bear friends. Be sure to subscribe and tune into next week's episode in which we'll bring you the heartwarming story of the people who saved the koalas during Australia's ravenous brush fire of 2019 and 2020. I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. For more information about the San Diego Zoo and San Diego Zoo Safari Park, go to sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio. Our producer is Nakia Swinton, and our executive producer is Marcy DePina. Our sound designer and editor is Cody Scully, with assistance from Matt Stillo. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.